0: Okay. Good evening, folks. Uh, this is the Climbsite podcast with myself, Tom Herbert.
1: And I'm Brian Rigby.
0: Hello, Brian. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Tom?
0: I'm very good. I'm very good. Weather
1: all right over there in England?
0: It is um, it is actually fairly tropical out here. Tropical? So <laughs> it is. <actually laughs> it's I'm, very
1: nice. I'm, I'm jealous. We're locked into this cycle of uh, really cold weather with a lot of snow, followed by really nice weather. I mean, it's winter. You expect cold weather and you expect snow, but you keep getting your hopes up. Every time it hits 50-something degrees, uh, I guess, you know, approaching 20 degrees centigrade, you just keep hoping that it's going to be warm enough that you can go out and do the stuff you want to do outside. And then it changes again. So, mm.
0: but, oh, are, you well. doing, are you doing – you, is your um, climbing gym heated?
1: uh well i imagine they have heaters i don't know if they use them (laughs) it's extremely it is so cold at the gym it's the coldest gym that i've ever been to it's a Um, uh, typical which isn't a large sample size but it's it's just yeah it's very poorly heated um sending temps at all times in that gym
0: (laughs) and who cares if
1: it takes an hour to warm up
0: (laughs) yeah at least i once i remember one december i actually had to wear gloves between the climbs because it was getting, you know, and, and your toes, like you dare not take your, your boots off. Otherwise your toes right. would be white. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, folks. Uh, so um, welcome to episode 11. I think this is our first one from 20, for 2019, and um, it is March. So, yeah, it is late. Um, so, <laughs> um, But uh, this one is a good one. This is um, weight loss, and we're going to speak um, – about the practicalities of weight loss um, and how to go about it. Uh, but Brian, I was chatting before we went on. Oh, sorry. Did you hear that? Uh-uh. Oh, it was a, I had an alarm that just went off. Um, uh, is, um, we, uh, we decided that we're going to separate this into tonight. tonight's podcast is going to be very much about practical. We want you to, to um, have really good information that you can take away and actually apply. And then, if you guys want, we're going to do a, a follow-up podcast, which will dive into the kind of more sciencey bit—lipases uh, and hormonal control, set point theories, maybe tied in with fasting, circadian rhythm, and all that sort of stuff. Um, because this is such a massive, a massive topic.
1: Yeah. It really is, Um, but we want you guys to walk away this episode with some practical, I can do this right now advice, not just a bunch of scientific ease explaining about how that might actually happen.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we've got two two kind of parts to this. We have a kind of overview section, um, and we have the specifics, Um, so... I think, Brian. Do you want to kind of take us away with with um, the way we've headed headed this this part of it? Is is basically the big picture, motivation, habits, and environment. So yeah,
1: yeah. So we've we've divided this as uh, as Tom mentioned. This one episode we've divided into two parts, just ignoring everything that might come in a future episode and. This, the latter part is going to be some of these specific pieces of advice. But I think before we get to those specific parts, we really have to understand kind of the, uh, the big picture of what's going on with weight loss in terms of motivation and habits and environment and just really, I guess, the mental parts about it. Um, so with weight loss... As with fitness, we are talking about habit change. Um, And that feels kind of vague, but uh, you have to think of yourself as the sum of your habits and where you are right now. You know, who you are. Who you are is what you do every day. So some people have habits that, you know, they go to the gym every day or they climb every day. Um, And ignoring genetic factors, because we know that these things play a role, too. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, like, the big picture things. Like, what diet do you eat? What exercises do you do? How do you spend your day? How do you spend your free time? These all add into who you are. And if you want to be a different person, if you want to be a different weight, if you want to be more fit, any of these things require you to change some of those habits. And changing habits is hard, right? And it's hard in part because it requires you to be a different person than who you've been. So if we're going to change our habits, then we need to be ready to change those habits. And we need to have a reason for changing those habits. And this is where things get even trickier because when you want to lose weight, you usually feel like you're ready for it. You feel like you know what you want. But at the same time, Most people don't approach weight loss with the, they they don't see it as as the the whole of these habit changes. By nature, it involves giving things up and Mm. it it involves trade-offs, right? Like the reason you do the things you do right now is because you get some level of pleasure from them, right? I mean, you know, just to use like kind of a a, a a a gross example as in like just like it, it's not fine-tuned at all uh, I'll, I'll use myself as an example i really like cake <laughs> i love cake <laughs> um and you know it's it's possible that i could have a habit where i consume cake every single day now again this is just for illustrative purposes i don't eat cake every day um but i could and if I wanted to be a different person, then I have to realize that taking that cake away, not eating that cake, there's a trade-off associated with that, and I have to be ready to accept that trade-off. And it doesn't mean I, I, I'm kind of lost my train of thought. Tom, take over for a moment. Uh, yeah.
0: So, so you you might be wondering why we're starting on this on this angle rather than just suddenly talking about calories. But it, what you got to realize is that. Um, fundamentally what, what Brian is talking about in terms of change is the, the driver of, of fat loss, what, which everybody knows is about energy balance, but but the change in energy balance is not just some sort of mathematical thing that you, you impose on yourself. It, it, it's a much deeper thing. And this is what we want to kind of stress is that if you are wanting to lose weight, we want you to try and think about why do you want to lose weight and to, and to be specific about it. Um, And realizing that ultimately it's going to be a change in your lifestyle, which is going to be a change in your habits. And you have to somehow quantify that with, your goals for the weight loss and why you want to do it and whether or not the changes that are going to be required uh, are something that you can actually do Um, because everybody's life is going to be quite different. If you are a 22 year old guy who has like very little responsibility and just can just go climbing and gymming the whole time while he's finishing, you know, his master's at university or whatever, this is a very different person who can do some fairly drastic things in their life to drive weight loss. If you are, uh, say a family man um, who has responsibility and your partner is um, uh, maybe doing the meals and you have kids and you want to sit down and enjoy your life at home, this is a very different thing, right? We, we, you might be even in a, 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 somebody in, in a high stress job. So all of these things are, are, are playing into it. So um, what, we, what we want to say, as a kind of first point is getting the mind, right. You know, what is your motivation for, um, uh, for the weight loss and basically how ready are you for that change?
1: Right. So yeah, specifically what I meant was like internal versus external motivation. Um, you know, all these changes are gonna require internal motivation. In weight loss studies, we see external motivation. You know, uh, it, it's not always like motivation in the strictest sense of what we would think of as what would motivate us, but it's motivation in the sense that they're very controlled settings. Uh, participants, by participating in a study, are going to feel some measure of motivation to adhere to the diet. Uh, you know, they 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 realize that they're a part of something. They're not being monitored randomly by you know an unknown government agency that they're unaware of. They realize they're in a study and they're motivated to make these changes. And so we see, you know, external motivation work in these studies. But ultimately, when we're talking about lifelong change, we're talking about internal motivation because there's no external motivator that is going to stick around forever. So you have to have the internal motivation. You have to know why it is that you're making those changes. And you have to be ready to make them. You have to be ready to give up the things that are going to be required to give up. Um, and as Tom said, you know, some of them might not be realistic for where you are in your life, but so you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be realistic about what you can give up.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is, and this is one of the things I really stress when I'm working with people is a lot of times the, the, um, the kind of targets that people are setting for themselves are just arbitrary. Um, It can be that you weigh 80 kilos and now you want to be 75 kilos. But why 75 and not 76? Um, It's just a, it's like a round number, right? So people are like, Oh, I like round numbers. Right. (laughs) Um, And what we know is that like the body doesn't work like that. It's not a mathematical, it doesn't have mathematical precision. What might happen is that you might get close to 76 kilos and it just becomes much harder to lose weight Um, or you might jump and it might end up being very easy to 74 kilos or whatever. Um, So in terms of motivation, the the three points that I put down in terms of this, under this heading of getting your mind right is I had said, understanding the purpose, you know, why are you wanting to lose weight in the first place? Um, And when we're talking about losing weight in this podcast, we're talking about fat, fat weight, um, right. We'll talk about maybe some other types of weight loss strategy, uh, for, for climbing specific things, maybe in the other podcast. Um, and, uh, so I said, uh, you understand your purpose and then understand a timeframe, uh, knowing when to stop, um, and having realistic goals. Um, because a lot of time, or well, this is what I find is that a successful diet, and we're going to get a, get into how to set up a successful diet strategy, um, is that when you don't really have an actual endpoint, your motivation is going to be very low, and you're just going to drift. It's a bit like not. It's like if you know that you're going to go on holiday uh, at some point, then you you're just not going to pack your bag until like the last minute. But if if you know that you have to leave tomorrow morning, to, for this flight that you've just won, you can pack your bags in like you know twenty minutes. So what I say with people is that you need to choose a weight loss target that you're going for that is realistic. Um, you you can't lose five kilos in a week. That's not going to happen. Um, we're going to talk about what is um, a good rate of weight loss and what that actually looks at looks like. Um, but so you're going to choose you're going to choose a uh, an end point for your, for your weight. And that can be your target or what you can also do is choose an end time point. So you could say, I want to uh, lose uh, two kilos and that is your goal. And you, you go throughout whatever time you have and you reach that goal and then you stop and you go back to a maintenance diet, which we'll, we'll cover in another podcast. Mm. Or you choose a time frame. You say, I'm going to diet because it's winter and, uh, you know, um, I've got this period of time now to, to. it's much easier for me to restrict because there's less parties and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to diet for the whole of uh, March and April, for instance. And I don't really know where I'm going to go for in terms of a number, but I'm just going to reduce and see where I get to. Those two, those are two good goals because, you know, at the end of April, you're going to stop dieting. Uh, the other one is you know when you get to whatever kilos you're going to stop dieting, and I think this is important. So, have a purpose of why you're dieting, um, uh, time frame or a target.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do the same thing with my clients, I usually choose time frame rather than weight target because we
0: Oh, have you gone? Point and oh Seth. So Yes, Sorry. so say so again he's you just you I was
1: saying with my clients I usually have them opt for a time target because time targets are hard. You know, right. no matter who you are, your experience of eight weeks is gonna be the same. It doesn't rely on your metabolism or your you know your your change of habits or anything. It's it's always the same. And I'll always tell people, you know, do it like aim for a time goal, have a have a weight goal in mind. Mm. Like but that's a big picture thing. You know, like big picture. Like maybe you weigh 80 kilograms right now and you have the arbitrary goal of 75 kilograms as, you know, Tom used as an example. You can have that as a goal. But if you say, like, I want to lose these five kilograms in, you know, and we could set up, I we could, Tom and I could tell you, like, okay, well, this is realistic. Is that, you know, it's realistic as. So you do it for two, for, you know. Two months or eight weeks or something, three months, whatever you decide, and then you reassess at that point. Because uh, the last thing that you want is to, you know, losing weight, like making habit change, takes it. It takes up motivation, and at some point you will lose motivation. In, in the the harder you're going at something, the faster your motivation will start to flag. And if your motivation runs out, you're not going to have the motivation to, you know, switch to 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 maintain a a level of habit change that stimulates weight maintenance. Yeah. So the last thing we want is for you to run out of motivation and be light.
0: Sorry, folks. I think uh, yeah, the connection on Brian's side seems to be uh, flaky tonight. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh,
1: yeah. For my clients, I usually give them a, a time frame rather than a specific weight loss goal i'll I'll tell them to have a weight loss goal in mind you know like to use maybe the way to use your arbitrary example maybe they weigh 80 kilograms and they want to weigh 75 and i want them to have that in mind as kind of this big picture goal but the time frame is a hard number It, it doesn't change and i want them to be able to maintain their motivation over a specific period of time not necessarily you know, an unrealistic idea of maintaining their motivation until they reach this goal. Because while we can, you know, you and I could, could determine a number that would be, you know, we could determine like, okay, realistically, you can lose five kilograms in X amount of time. That's a realistic average for, you know, a broad population, not Mm -hmm. necessarily for this individual client. And if I give them, if I tell them that they have to maintain their motivation for, until they reach the specific weight goal, they might not reach that goal. And if they lose their motivation before they reach that goal, then chances are they're just going to revert back to their old habits. You know, their motivation will fight to the point that they say, "I can't do this." I'm just going to. Well, they, they probably won't actually say in their mind, "I can't do this." But what will happen is their habits will say, "I can't do this," and they'll find that instead of instead of you know having that lower calorie meal. That's more veggie rich. They're like, ah, it doesn't really matter if I have pancakes mm. for breakfast today. You know, it's 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 Wednesday, going out to brunch, and you know, because I'm going out to brunch, I'm going to have the pancakes uh, because that's a good brunch food. We want people to maintain their motivation to the point, you know, throughout their throughout this goal period, and then we want them to still have the motivation to maintain some some level of habit change, uh, a lesser amount, you know, a weight maintenance habit mm. goal. But, uh, you know, we want them to maintain motivation, not to deplete it so far that there's no coming back.
0: Yeah. And that's actually a very good point because that, that that I'm going to jump a little bit ahead. But to to make a point about this, and this is what I find quite difficult to communicate with with clients is is basically. Say you are at this 80 kilos at weight at the moment and you have a project weight, which is, um, let's say it's. 54 kilos sorry not 54 uh, 74 kilos <laughs> 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 that, that <laughs> that is, i don't know <laughs> no, okay so so yeah so so your 80 kilos currently you know it's it's uh, march and your project weight is 74 kilos um which means that you want to try and get down to about 76 kilos in preparation for in quotes A hard cut just before you go on this climbing trip and the reason I say that is because it might be quite possible to get down to 74 kilos for your trip but it's very unlikely that you will be able to maintain 74 kilos 74 75 kilos after your trip you will almost automatically drift up to a kind of higher weight which will probably be something like 76 77 kilos by eating a normal, healthy, well-planned um, maintenance diet because the 80 kilos that we're using is the kind of weight that you've put on since November, right? The kind of fuzziness mm-hmm. that you put on just from just eating food, right? And this is, this is important because this kind of goes in with uh, also the expectations that you see on social media. Um, and most people that are in photographs uh, on social media, tend to be in really good condition. And if you are a climber and you also follow kind of fit inspiration type posts, then this is not a great thing because it can it can lead to an, a, 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 an expectation of your body that is not going to be achieved um, or can be achieved but not um, held. And yeah. the reason I'm saying all this is that. If someone came to me and said, I will give you a thousand pounds a month to get me to look like a fitness model, um, we could do it, right? Um, I would have to pull out every trick I know in the book to get this person to be motivated, even if it means me cooking the meals for them and not allowing them to eat anything else, right? This this could be done. The problem comes in as soon as that, that external control goes, that person will automatically go back up. And it's yeah. for a number of reasons. Uh, in my previous little podcast that I did, um, I talked about body fat percentages for men and women. So I urge you to listen to that. Um, but it's just in terms of the body. is we can, we can get the body to look like a fitness model, you know, shredded, right? But you cannot maintain that unless you are constantly dieting, right? Being in, a, in an energy deficit going forward. And this is this is what goes back to the point in terms of a time frame. You want to diet, meaning to be in an energy deficit for a period of time for a goal. And once mm. that is done, you need to stop dieting. And the reason for that is that if you are in an energy deficit, you are in an energy deficit, which is likely going to be a nutritional deficit as well, not just yeah. calories. And you cannot maintain that. So you need to, to, um, you need to try and get an idea, a realistic idea of why you want to lose fat, so that you can get as close as you can to that ideal, and then stop and change direction to to uh, to have an understanding of of what n- good healthy eating looks like and actually what that looks like in terms of your body. And this is and the reason I'm stressing this is is that this is really hard because almost everybody has a kind of settling point of where their weight looks like. They have a settling point of where they don't really care what they're eating and they will be... I'll give you an example myself. So uh, the arbitrary number of 80 kilos is my lazy settling point. This is when I'm just very busy and I'm doing all my stuff. My weight will drift to about 79, 80 kilos and we'll just sit there. And this will include me having some biscuits at work and. The occasional meal out and stuff like that if i'm trying to get into really good shape i can get myself down to 77 70 76 kilos right and i look fantastic and my performance on the wall is fantastic and it's really good that takes a lot of work and for me to maintain that 76 77 76 kilos it requires me to do um the odd bit of uh, kind of intermittent fasting every week, it requires me to restrict every now and then, Um, it requires me to really tie in everything to be healthy. If I was to eat a really healthy balanced diet and try and say knock out the kind of sugary stuff at least four, four or five times a week and just maybe have you know, a weekend where I, uh, where I can eat some more sugary stuff, a bit of cake, like Brian says, then my weight will drift up to probably about 77, 78, 77, 78 kilos. Right. So what I'm saying is that, is that you need to understand that, that if you got to a weight where you were climbing your best, and it was, let's say arbitrary 76 kilos, you need to understand that you can't expect to just sit at 76 kilos for the rest of your life and, if the other thing is to be careful that you don't compare yourself to people. If you look, if you're a guy and you look at Adam Andra and you say, I need to look like that. So I'm going to cut calories and, and, and train my ass off to look like him. You may look oh, like that, hair. right? Yeah. But he's Adam Andra. That's his body. Right. And you, and for you to get to look like that is not a great goal. You should train to perform like Adam Andra and maybe the body will follow. The same can be said for, um, let's say, yeah. Andre- is it and, uh, Andrea Davy, an Australian climber who is really in very good shape. She's very thin, very, that's a tight of her body type, um, in stark contrast to other female climbers who are kind of heavier built. So what I'm trying to say is, is this, the mindset and the purpose of weight loss is a very complicated thing, and it's very emotionally charged, um, and you need to be careful with it. To, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, we're laboring the point, but we wanted to set it up in this way. Right. Right. Should we talk about, with all this, how do we now set up a a good, successful diet?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, do you want to talk at all about environment quickly? Just...
0: Uh, yeah, so that's that's I mean, part of I... what I would say is, is setting it up. Um, okay.
1: I guess I wanted to just... Like, because there's part of the environment that I think is outside of dietary that I want to talk about briefly. Okay. Um, Just are you familiar with the Rat Park experiments as Mm -hmm. as a way of introducing this? No, no, no. This is so what I'm going to be talking about now is kind of a social environment, stuff that is challenging oftentimes for us to actually control, but that we should be aware of. Um, so the Rat Park experiments were some experiments done in the 1970s where a research team took some rats and they raised them in different conditions, um, which is pretty normal for scientific experiments, right? We have rats and we have different conditions. But then the thing that they were actually studying was cocaine. So mm-hmm. they were lacing some of the rats' water. They were offering rats a choice between this kind of sugar-sweetened, uh, I guess it wasn't cocaine, it was uh sugar-sweetened opiate water, um, maybe closer to heroin, and just plain water. And they sweetened it with sugar just because it was naturally kind of bitter. Um, and they they controlled it or they, they you know, pre-set it up by offering sugar-sweetened quinine water so that the rats were adjusted to it without the influence of the drug. And what they found was that rats in a poor environment basically rats in just like bear cages with nothing going on they loved the water that was laced with drugs um and they drank way more of it than rats that were given and this is rats that have access to both plain water and drug water they loved it more than rats who lived in rat park rat park being this Mm. ideal environment for the enrichment of a rat's life, you know, everything that a rat would want to do, they had access to, and they would, they were able to do it. So those rats would preferentially drink the plain water. Now you might be saying, well, what does this have to do with our diet or food? Well, there's a whole bigger thing surrounding our diet, of course, right? Like if we just look at like, global trends in obesity, people tend to be obese in areas that are impoverished, places where they have lack of food options, places where they don't have, uh, you know, good educations necessarily or access to good education, um, places which are not enriching. So my, my broader point is your social environment plays a large role in, in your diet and, and specifically in your weight through influence over your diet. If you live in a food desert, if you live in a place where you have very little access to fresh food, and this is, you know, an extreme example, hopefully this doesn't apply to most people, you're just not going to be able it's going to be very hard to actually put together and consume a healthy diet. If you live uh you know, if, if we if we narrowed it in some, we could say that your your group of friends, if you have a group of friends and they're not climbers, you know, because I say that specifically because I think most climbers tend to be a little bit healthier um, mm. of types. So if you climb, if you have your group of friends, is most climbers, this might not apply, but if, if your main group of friends is, is maybe to work friends and your work friends, their favorite thing to do is just like go out drinking on Friday nights and then, you know, like binge watch Netflix while eating takeout over the weekend. Your habits are also going to be influenced by that. Your social group is going to affect your habits. So part of the social environment is creating as much as you can, finding people who are going to help support you within your goals and who are going to share those goals with you, whether implicitly or explicitly, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, as just like a specific va- example, um, or I, I guess it's a vague example, research has shown that if you're trying to lose weight, and you're overweight, hanging out with overweight friends is adverse to that goal. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, these are bad people, but their habits are not in support of your habits. And you tend people tend to reinforce their habits when they're together. You know, if your friend that's also overweight is like, oh, you know, let's let's go, let's let's eat together, their diet is going to look very different than your diet, and you're gonna have a social pressure to try to conform somewhat to their diet. And that's not going to help you with your own thing. On the other hand, if you have, you know, your climbing friend who's, you know, maybe a little bit health weird, uh, conscious, you know, and they're like, I'm going to have this quinoa salad for for lunch and that's all I need. You're more likely to off- eat something like that yourself. I'm not saying that is like the ideal choice. That's why i preference it with like health weird, but we all have friends like that. You know, they, they eat an extremely, I would say like over the top healthy diet. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's just so uber conscious about you that's going to wear off on you a little bit. So, there's parts that you can influence, like your friends. There's parts that are harder to influence, like your family, and there are parts that may be impossible to, for you to influence, like the general area that you live. You know, most of us can't afford to move away from where we live just to pursue a weight loss goal. But regardless of how much you can change them, you should be aware that these factors exist and that they are influencing your behavior and your likelihood of success. I think just by acknowledging that at Mm. least you can help, you know, alter that. Um,
0: Yeah. To move back to rat bark, Mm.
1: you know, rats that are given an enriched environment, rats that are given access that are doing the things that they love. They are less interested in feeding addictive behavior, you know, and drugs are different than food, but they affect very similar neural pathways if you can enrich your life with things that you enjoy then you are less likely to have the same drives to you know obtain pleasure in other ways yeah. so find the ways that you know like big picture like find diets that make you happy you know if, a, if you're not happy on a diet at least moderately like no one's happy in a caloric deficit of course mm. but if your diet is like not just unhappy because of a caloric deficit but because you hate the way you're eating if you're just like I can't like this is stupid I can't I can't intermittent fast every single day like I hate this you're not gonna succeed with it choose a diet that you enjoy at least as an idea you know that has foods in it that you enjoy uh, that doesn't rely on you eating foods that you hate or in you know, a time pattern that you hate uh choose activities that you enjoy you know you mm. probably enjoy climbing if you're listening to this podcast climb more it's great exercise it encourages weight loss in the sense that you're going to be more and more calories do things but what, whatever it is just do the things you enjoy and enjoy your life and the more that you enjoy about changing your habits the more success you're going to find with them
0: yeah excellent and 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 that's really the biggest driver we see in weight loss research is that the number one thing is endurance uh, endurance, adherence. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah
1: the, I because I thought you said endurance, like how, how enduring the diet is. You? <laughs> Maybe that too. That
0: too. So, uh, yeah, adherence, you know, yes, I do. um, yeah. Fundamentally is that, is that you, we can have to create a, a, an energy deficit. So you need to choose a way that is going to be, um, something that you can keep going with, Um, And there's hundreds of ways that you can do this, um, but it's the one that sticks um, and doesn't feel um, as difficult. And that might change over time and at different weeks and things like that. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, people change. We change, you know, and that's all right. It's part of it. But just be aware. Keep a mental check of what you're enjoying and what you're not.
0: Yeah, so we have we have that larger food environment. We now have something um, called uh, food cues or kind of localized um, environment, Uh, and we've seen research um, on this, and it's quite simple. Uh, People have been given an open, um, clear container of marshmallows, and it's been left on a desk, and uh, the researchers count how many of these marshmallows the the subjects eat over the day. Uh, They do the same thing with an opaque container. And people eat less. Uh, they do a, um, a container that has a lid, and people eat less because there's more effort. Um, they put that container out of their sight, so maybe on a cupboard, um, you know, out of their direct view. And hey presto, they eat less. So uh, if if you are if you are dieting, you need to set up your local environment as well. So, um, for instance, uh, you want to. You want to put things in in your fridge that are um, healthy, and we're going to talk about now setting this up. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other thing is to remove stuff. You know, if you've got a big packet of peanuts in your desk drawer and you're trying to have a calorie deficit, this is not going to be helpful because you're going to get hungry and uh, you're going to snack on them and then you're going to be upset. Um, So you need to have a look at that. Um, uh, So... I've got some bullet points here. So I've got here the basics of a good diet for weight loss. Um, so we've got here setting things up to avoid failure and better adherence. That we've, that's what we've been talking about. Um, uh, flexibility, that's another thing. Um, mm-hmm. We're going we're to talk about, well, it's just a very brief thing. We don't even have to labor it. The, the reason that different diets like P, uh, paleo, vegan, um, uh, low-carb, ketogenic, all of these diets um, – They work because it allows people to have better adherence to them. It can be an identity thing. It can be a group dynamic thing. Most of them, if not all of them, their greatest driver of weight loss is the fact that they are kicking out, um, high energy, dense, low nutritional foods. So basically your snack foods, um, which goes to my next point, the, um, the, 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 the biggest thing you can do for a weight loss diet is to choose nutrition first, which is going to be whole foods. So foods that are going to be uh, whole fruits and vegetables, which you prepare yourself, uh, cuts of meat or legumes, which you prepare yourself. Um, even the act of preparing is going to help you because you have control over the amounts. Um, you're not going to be grabbing things that you can't have a level of measurement with. Um, uh, your fiber content is going to be higher. So that is actually going to um, uh, stretch your stomach, make you feel fuller. Um, And you're going to get a higher nutritional density in there, along with the cofactors for nutrition, which are things like vitamins and minerals and things like that. Mm. Um, The uh, food environment we've spoken about. The other thing I say here, don't mix morality and dieting. Um, This is a tricky one, but uh, two things on this. Um, one is that you need to understand that you that you're choosing to diet for a purpose, and the clearer you have that purpose, the easier that is to communicate to other people. So if you're if you're with a group of friends or whatever, and they're seeing that you're not having the normal or whatever drink uh, in the evening, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you don't have to shy away from speaking about your goals say look i've got a project coming up in greece in uh, a month's time and i really want to get in the best shape of my life so sorry guys i'm just going to have soda water tonight um yes i am dieting that means that i am cutting calories and if someone says to you oh but you're already so slim you say well my goal is xyz and you don't need to be ashamed of that and i think the 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 better you can tell people about it the better that they're going to be able to support you um And uh, you're going to have to fend off people saying, oh, but you're whatever, you know, have a specific goal, realize that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. The morality side of it is that you need to understand that this is not if if for whatever reason you start your diet and two weeks in something happens in your life that is that makes your life more complex or difficult and suddenly you have a bad day and you order yourself a pizza or something. You have not failed. You, there is not a, there's not a failure. No one's keeping marks here. You are doing something for yourself to achieve a goal that you want. By, ha- by, by having the pizza and the ice cream in that acute window of time, say you're weak, yes, it's, it's, it's reduced the calorie deficit that you created that week. You've maybe slowed down the weight loss period, a little. But this is yeah. not a big issue, right? You have not failed. You don't now need to just throw away your diet because you can't keep a diet for two weeks. Uh, this, this, You see this a lot with very restrictive diets like paleo or vegan or uh, whatever you have, right? Is that as soon as you err from the rule set of the diet, you feel like a failure because lo and behold, you couldn't do keto for three weeks. And oh, I've had... A pizza now and i've you know ruined my keto adaption it's it's bull you haven't you need to understand that this is um something that you're doing for f- to to optimize your life to make you to 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 do the things that you want to do in life etc etc so remove the morality out of it if you are finding that you are uh doing things which are less productive for a diet let's say um. Every Friday, you you feeling like you're needing a lot of ice cream or something. Have a look at what's going on in your life uh, that is maybe causing you to emotionally want that. Then you don't deal with it from the diet side of things. You you need to look at it from your lifestyle side of things. Um, and it might be just that at this point in your life, you're changing jobs or whatever, and this is maybe too stressful for you to try and combine calorie restriction and uh, changing jobs so this is again it goes into this whole thing of this um, the food environment social environment why you're doing this weight loss in the first place so w- i'm just trying to give you some encouragement to not be so hard on yourself choose what you want to do get motivated get excited about it do the best you can during the times you can do the best if it if for something changes don't beat yourself up just start again one of the best things you can do is say say you have one meal because your boss and everyone said, let's go to the pub and you suddenly have a few pints and you have a drink and stuff like that, and you realize you've gone off your, your target. The next meal you have get back on the target and, and, and so forth. Um, yeah. The, have you ever uh, th- read,
1: uh, sorry, just to briefly interrupt. Have you ever read the gluten lie by Alan Levinovitz? No, I haven't. It's uh the, the title's a little bit, Deceiving about what it's really about, but um, he, he's he's a religious studies professor, and he's talking about food because he realized that the way we talk about food in diets is very similar to the way religions talk about like right and wrong. Sure, um, you know religions obviously have clear moral codes. And if you follow moral codes, then you are a good person. And if you you know, break those moral codes, then you are a bad person, um, which makes sense for religion uh, without getting into religion. This isn't climb religion. <laughs> That's a sister podcast. <laughs> um, but basically, he makes the argument that you know, f- food doesn't carry any moral implications on it. You're not a good person if you eat gluten or if you don't eat gluten. Or if you count, cal- you know, if, if you're overweight, if you're not, these things aren't moral decisions in any stretch of the imagination. So don't describe food in terms of morality. You know, don't say I've been good because mm. I didn't eat that pint of ice cream this week. Like yeah. you can, you can structure it in a different way. You can say like, I, you know, I adhered to my goals well this week, and I'm yeah. proud of myself for that. But don't, don't treat yourself as if you're a worse person because you fail to adhere to your diet during a specific time frame, or fail to, you know, promote your goals.
0: And it goes for things They're, like using the words like cheap, cheat meal or rewarding yourself for being good. Um, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't think it's helpful at all. It's not needed.
1: Yeah. And it's, 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 it's insidious. If you look around, you'll, you'll find it everywhere. We describe food in terms of morality all the time. Um, and maybe there's a bigger, you know, social cost of that about how we think about food, but, um, that's too big to talk about right here and kind of irrelevant. The point is for you, try to avoid thinking about food or talking about food that way.
0: Mm, I agree. My next point is, uh, sleep. So, um, we've seen studies where they have, um, restricted sleep on participants and, uh, they tend to lose weight slower or they tend to um, put on weight. Um, so shift workers and things like that. And and we're not going to get into d- much detail of this, but quite simply, uh, w- we have a circadian rhythm. That means we tend to eat most of our food during the daylight hours, and then we should be going to sleep um, at night and uh, carrying the cycle on. And when this gets disrupted um, by limiting our sleep, um, what you will find and most of you have probably noticed this is that if you have a really bad night's sleep, you tend to gravitate towards kind of more sugary high energy dense foods. So by this what, what is uh, what I say to to my own clients is that if you've had a stressful uh, day um, and had not, haven't had much sleep, then um, just be aware that you are probably going to want to to buy more snack like foods you're probably more likely to reach for um, sugary carbs and things like that. Um, and this is not a problem if you uh, prepare for it, right? So um, you can offset some of that. If you, if you have a very high sugary breakfast because you just feel like it, then you can, um, you know, uh, have a less energy-dense lunch and, and things. Mm-hmm. Or you just, you just start again from tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the main thing is that realize that there is more to life than um, – than dieting
1: right I, I think sleep to talk a little bit more about it sure uh it's interesting because like we can look at it as you know part of the circadian rhythm and that you're not getting enough sleep affects that and maybe we can really look into that some more in the next episode because that will have a lot to do like it that is hormonal control that yeah. we're talking about there uh, circadian rhythms are fluctuations of r- hormones Um, but I think we don't even need to look at it like that. We can just say like, if you don't get enough sleep, you're not a happy person. Mm. Lack of sleep affects your motivation. It affects your reasoning. So you're just not going to be able to do, to function at the same level without sleep, get enough sleep. And you're going to be able to think clearer about what your goals are and what your motivations are.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Without even worrying about hormones or anything.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So. Let's talk about specifics now, right? This is the kind of the meaty bit of it, of what now you can do specifically to, right. to set up your diet. So without getting too complicated, the fundamental of of losing um, body fat is that you have to put your, your body in a position that it is not getting um, sufficient energy dietarily and so it needs to use your body fat to supply the energy deficit Um, this really is what it is Um, so as much as some people would like to say that you don't need to have a calorie deficit you do need to have a calorie deficit. (laughs) It's the the only way it's going to work. Quite simply, just think about it. Your body needs energy to do what it needed to do over the space of the day. It's got to draw that energy from somewhere and that somewhere you want it to be your fat cells. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and if you're not losing weight, it's because you're not drawing energy from those fat cells. Um, You know, ignoring things like, you know, increases in water weight that might be masking it or you know preferably muscle mass you know there there are reasons why the scale might not change but that's right if you're getting like body fat readings and they're not changing you're not in a caloric deficit
0: yeah so uh yeah as we've spoken about on on the on the carbohydrate podcast um what can make things look a little bit fuzzy is um, cutting carbohydrate out of your diet will make you lose weight water weight very quickly Um, that's Mm -hmm. not fat loss. Um, The other thing to think about um, is that you can only burn so much fat um, per day. Just because you do some specific diet or do some magical um, whatever, uh, you can't suddenly burn more fat. It's capped at a certain rate. So um, we'll get into some numbers for you in terms of um, weight loss. But let me start with this. If you remember in our strategy podcast, we actually talked about finding your weight maintenance by simply choosing to increase portions of food or choosing habits. And basically by doing that, just by measurements rather than mathematics, uh, you can start understanding where you are. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing with your diet, right? Uh, to try cr- to create an energy deficit. The only difference is, is that, uh, it's a little bit trickier because if you do, if you suddenly make a big change, you don't know whether or not that change is enough to keep going or too much. Say, say for instance, uh, I decide to start a diet tomorrow. And what that means is that I'm, that on uh, every second day, I'm only gonna eat one meal. That means my daily calories for that day might be like, I don't know, eight hundred to a thousand calories per day. Am I going to lose weight? Of course I am. Do I need to do that much of a reduction to lose weight? No, not at all, because it's it's just you want to try and find the minimum effective dose. And the and the reason you want to do this is that ultimately you want to keep your health up, and you want to keep your uh, energy up, so that you can carry on doing the things that you want to do, if you just starve yourself, you will lose weight um, but everything else will start to suffer. so mm-hmm. what you want to try and do is that you want to try and find an amount of um, calorie or energy reduction that is going to drive weight loss to a point where it might slow down and then you will change it again and then it will carry on and change it again and carry on
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the basis for this is to try and understand what your calorie needs are um, per day, and then scale that up for the week. So there's a, there's a couple of ways to do this. Um, the easy place to start would be to multiply your body weight in pounds by 11. That will give you a, basically your your uh, an estimate. Of your metabolic rate, that's the amount of energy that you need to sustain yourself if you are not doing specific exercise, right? It's so just
1: in, yeah, it's just your body being your yeah. body.
0: Yeah. So, for instance, if you're if you're eighty eighty kilograms uh, in pounds, that's going to work out to be about like one thousand eight hundred calories per day. That would be your your kind of basal metabolic rate. If I start training, let's say two or three hours a day, my amount of energy that I'll need to be maintenance might be another three to 500 calories, right? So uh, I'm gonna talk about how much you could reduce that. But let's say a good number to reduce your calories by is about 15%, then you would take off like three or 400 calories off that. If you're you're gonna measure it in kilos, sorry, measure times your kilos, your body weight in kilos by 22. And then you're going to get this number.
1: If we're addressing the other, you know, 6.7 billion people in the world who don't use the imperial system.
0: Well, I was (laughs) was being, I was being gracious to the American. You are.
1: I, 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 we, we appreciate that. Uh, But we really, we should just move to metric. Um, One day
0: one day i so said that's if if when we when the uk brexits that we don't go back to uh, oh man imperial <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh so um right so okay. this
1: so this number the the 11 times your poundage or uh was it 22? 22 okay uh shouldn't it be like 24 in that case it's, it's 10 pounds is 22 or 22 pounds is 10 kilograms.
0: That's true. I've always used, well, I, mean, I don't use this, but this is a number that you can do an estimation. Okay. I, yeah. Carry
1: okay. On. Well, it's going to be within the same realm, but this is, that's the number that you should aim for. Are you saying for weight loss or no, no, for no, weight no. maintenance?
0: No, what I'm saying is that, is or that, just the
1: basal metabolic.
0: I'm saying take, is that for someone to start, they want to try and understand where they are with their weight. So, right they they find a basal metabolic rate they have a look at what sort of training they're doing and estimate the calories and they're going to get uh, a a figure that if they were eating this every day they would potentially be at weight maintenance and then what they want to do from that is reduce and it's best I think to start with about a 15% reduction on that total energy expenditure of the day
1: okay I uh, I just asked, I wanted to, to clarify um, just for our listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, like looking at, you know, when I when I work with clients for weight loss, um, I mean, we do a calculation, which I think you're going to cover next yeah. or discuss, but, uh, you know, we have these like just beyond just the, the RMR, the resting metabolic rate, we also have these uh, like there's, there's a modifier that's 1.2, I believe. Hmm. for just like you're walking around we all walk around like we, our day isn't spent lying in bed with uh you know nutrients going directly into our veins in which case it would be just that pure number we walk around and we digest food and you know we we sit down which takes more calories than lying down we do a variety of things so 1.2 so that number i find like minus the exercise calories if you just take that 10 times your weight in pounds or 22 times your weight in kilograms. And if you just take that number, that's roughly equal to your RMR plus your, that modifier of, Hey, I'm a, a living human who's walking around and doing things as well. Minus that 15%. It's, it's still roughly the same. If you ignore that you're exercising.
0: Uh, I'm with you.
1: So yeah. I'm saying that could be a good number just for people to, to consider you know, outside of exercise and accounting for the calories of exercise, that would be like what you could aim for
0: Mm. as like a
1: minimum, you know, or a a starting place for weight loss.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if you agree, yeah, no, I I understand that. Yeah. I think the the thing I don't want people to get too caught up in is, is, is too much of the mathematics. So what, what we see, if you if if you want to be okay, so it's very easy now to find um, uh, calorie um, equations or calorie calculators online. So this is not a difficult thing to find, even just searching right. for that. So you're going to have access to these um, equations, which will take things like your height, your body mass, and basically the more variables you can put in, uh, the the closer you're going to get to um, what your actual metabolic rate is. I have a very expensive um, gas exchange mask set up, meaning that I can actually measure the gas exchange and find out what someone's metabolic rate is. But even with all that, it doesn't actually change too much of the practicality of the matter. Because E say, okay, so from research, we know, for instance, um, for men, for male athletes, an equation called the Harris-Benedict equation is more accurate, so the uh, the estimation calculation matches male eth- male athletes if they are tested um, uh, specifically with um, direct calorimeter, and then the Cunningham equation is better for females. I'm just saying that so that you have that as information. But at the end of the day, what we're looking at is you need to find a starting point, and then you need to change that into the practical application in terms of your life. Now you can go in terms of counting every calorie that you put into your mouth um, using variety of apps. But I had a client the other day who showed me the difference between using my, fat, my Fitness Pal and Chronometer. Uh, these are two calorie counting apps. There is vast differences. We're talking about between 100 and 300 calorie difference putting the same meal into both applications. Right. One was overestimating. The other one was at underestimating in terms of the meal thing.
1: Yeah. And this is completely ignoring the food itself. <laughs> you know, if these are apps. It's not like you don't know exactly how much, uh, probably you don't know how much it weighs to the, you know, the exact gram, or, let alone how much glucose is specifically in that sweet potato. So, you know, the apps are still even just an estimation upon an estimation.
0: Yeah. Which is so, done based on an estimation of your body weight. Um, right which might fluctuate vastly over time. So all all in all is we're not saying that the calories don't count in terms of of having a specific weight loss goal. They do. But what we want to say to you is find a starting point. Don't spend hours trying to find the exact values of what your metabolic rate is, what your Mm -hmm. MET value of, uh, you know, 15 times 30 second climbs all this sort of thing what you want to try and do is what i always say to people is you want to diet on the most food possible so (laughs) yeah what you want to do is look at your current your current diet and your current food environment in your lifestyle and the first thing you can do is basically try and optimize that by kicking out the um more snacky foods like biscuits and sodas and this sort of thing if you do right um yeah, and obvious folk- culprits yeah the obvious culprits uh the amount of d- drinks that you have um you know o- on the weekends etc cetera, etc cetera. um and focusing on improving your consumption of whole foods whole vegetables fresh things like that and what you'll probably mm. find just by doing that you will start losing weight um and your health will improve so straight away, you know that there's something going on there. And this is a, this is something that you can incorporate into your lifestyle, right, that is going to be a good thing going forward without too much effort. If you are starting to get really serious about having a getting towards your weight loss goal, then you're going to have to make adjustments in reducing your energy intake. So what I would say is find um, this number that you're going to start from. And you want to try and reduce your energy. Uh, your food down so that you have a rate of weight loss that is probably going to be around 0.7 percent of your current body weight. So we know from research that there is kind of margins, and we're going to I'm going to explain why we there is a, an importance in having a rate is that if If you are uh, an athlete who is doing resistance training, so that's lifting weights, then if you're wanting to continue to improve your performance and to continue to uh, put on muscle while you are dieting, which is is possible, uh, your rate of weight loss is going to be about 0.7% per week. So for like an 80-kilo Person doing resistance training. This might be about like five hundred, like 0.5 kilos per week. This would right. be a this would be a rate of weight loss, which would be a good target to have as you continue training, and you are going to see a performance improvement potentially as you do this rate of weight loss. If you're trying to lose weight quicker, and you start losing, let's say a kilo, uh, sorry, uh, like one. One to uh, what have I got here? One one to one point four percent of your body weight per week. That's probably going to start leading you to maintaining your level of what we call lean body mass, your muscle mass, which we're going to talk about next in terms of the importance of that. Um, But it's unlikely that you're going to make progress in your performance. And this is really how it goes. And this is what I'm saying is that you have to have some sort of level of measuring your rate of weight loss because if you cut weight too quickly you're going to lose things like your performance um you're going to lose um potentially lose some of your muscle mass etc so i think what is a good goal and almost most uh, i think kind of a lot of dietitians and stuff we talk about this kind of weight loss of about 0.5 uh kilograms um per week or whatever 1.1 pound or something like that a week
1: Right, and obviously it depends on your your weight. You know that's the purpose of the percentage. Like if, if you're overweight or obese, the amount of weight you can lose each week in maintain performance is going to be much higher than sure. you know if you currently weigh eighty kilograms and you're, you know, Tom or my height. Um, you know, you just can't. You couldn't. You couldn't lose uh, two pounds or one kilogram per week and maintain your performance. It would just be, it would require too much of a caloric deficit.
0: Yeah. And also you'll find that, and we we won't go into details of this. We'll go in the next podcast is that the leaner you get, the the harder it is to lose weight. If you are already, um, at at low body fat percentages for your, your, um, your gender, then you are going to, it's going to, it's going to change the rate of weight loss for you um because you're just much lighter you have less fat on you there's a hormonal control there so um that's why i'm saying you want to start as high as possible um and and when you get to a plateau and you're not no longer losing that that say um uh, 0.5 kilos per week then you need to make an adjustment so that the following week you lose that 0.5 and the other thing is that you're going to see a fluctuation I get everybody as clients to weigh themselves. If they're doing a specific weight loss thing, I get them to weigh themselves every day, but they only give me their weight on my spreadsheet every week so that they can see a trend because for instance, weight will go up depending on salt and carbohydrate intake. It will go up depending on how hard your training session was. That's from inflammation. You do a really hard training session. Your weight will spike the next morning. Um, uh, tends to see because of just inflammation and pulling water into you. If you're using supplements like creatine, as we've spoken before, your weight is going to go up. If you suddenly stop mm. creatine and carbohydrates, you could probably lose three kilos in a week. So, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, women during different phases of the menstrual cycle are going to gain and lose weight. So anyway, the, the point is, is that use yourself, measure yourself on a scale um, and use uh, also use um tape circumference measurements as a way for you to see changes and also look in the mirror more pinch yourself and try and get that (laughs) progressive stuff going um and um
1: and just as uh i I always cover this with my clients and you know maybe you already know it um not you specifically tom but you the listener weigh yourself at the same time under the same conditions every day yeah
0: yeah
1: You can't weigh yourself after breakfast one day and before breakfast the next day and expect the weight to be similar. They're going to be dramatically different. Fine, It doesn't matter, you know, what time it is or what the conditions are. Just make sure that they're always the same or pretty close to the same.
0: Yeah, and the easiest, what I say to people is, choose Saturday or Sunday, uh, go to the toilet, get on the scale naked, um, uh, but do it before you shower because even just showering is going to change your weight like two or 300 kilos. Uh, kilos uh, grams <laughs> uh, so if you're showering in lead
1: somebody's uh, uh, carrying 200 to 300 <laughs> pounds of water or uh liters of water after a shower
0: um so uh, do you
1: even use that much water while showering i don't know
0: of course of course <laughs> i'm a tall guy you know it's a lot to wash um <laughs> the uh yeah okay uh so the the next biggest thing that we see in weight loss studies is, um, and the most important thing is really maintaining your lean body mass. So your lean body mass is your, um, your predominantly your muscle mass, and we're going to keep it simplified for that. Right. Uh, the you're reason you're probably
1: for... not losing weight from your kidneys or your liver. I mean, I guess maybe from your liver, but uh, yeah, it's it it's inconsequential. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs>
0: uh so so yeah so the reason for this is is quite obvious you 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 want to maintain your muscle mass because that's where you that's your functional tissue in terms of your performance
1: that's what you Uh, worked for
0: that's right uh it does a lot there's a lot of kind of myths about uh your metabolic rate increases substantially as you put on muscle um this actually is not really the case um certainly not the case of a climber putting on you know a kilo or two kilos of muscle over a space of a year it doesn't give them license to eat 300 calories more a day um it doesn't really work like that what will happen though is that potentially the greater your muscle mass the greater your climbing output or your exercise output um the more active you are the healthier you are and so that's probably going to impact your calorie expenditure and the amount you can eat during the day. But yeah, you're not, you're not, um, you're not suddenly becoming a much bigger engine by, um, by having that much muscle mass, right. not, I, I, not, not the muscle mass that we have as, as, um, climbers.
1: I don't, I don't remember the exact figures, but, uh, I, I don't remember them because they're not that important, but muscle does burn a little bit more energy than fat, you know, per span of time. Um, but, it's so small that, is exactly as Tom said, you, you're, not, you're, you're not improving your engine. Uh, you're not burning significantly more calories. Uh, you know, an extremely muscular person of the same size as a person who weighs the same amount, but, you know, is more obese or more fat, their, their metabolic rates are not going to be significantly different. They'll be slightly different, but not enough to account for consuming an entire extra meal
0: every day no um however uh uh where's i going with this oh lean body mass so um this ties into two things now if you remember from our very long first podcast on protein um <laughs> protein is the building blocks of your muscles right in terms of repair and recovery it is also um shown to be uh, the most satiating of the macronutrients. Um, It also has impact on um, your hormonal profile, on multiple health um, benefits. However, the importance of protein uh, in weight loss is basically because you're wanting to provide the, 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 ability for your muscles to, to remain where they are rather than becoming a substrate for the calories that you're not providing.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're losing, if you're losing, if you're in a caloric deficit, you're trying to lose weight absent any other inputs like exercise or protein, one of the ways your body is going to immediately want to lose weight is by losing muscle, because even though it isn't that much more calorically expensive than fat, it is slightly. And if it views it as unnecessary, which it will, if you're not doing anything else to tell it, otherwise it's going to catabolize it. It's going to be like, well, you don't need this size of bicep, you know, for what you're doing, you can make do with less. It's also going to burn fat. Of course, you know, your body's also, that's what the fat's there for. It's not saving the fat, It's just absent any other inputs, your body will catabolize muscle. Protein, dietary protein fights that. And it fights it for the same reason that it stimulates protein accretion in the first place. Um, It's the same overall metabolic pathway where you're triggering muscle protein synthesis. And by basically, you can be anabolic or you can be catabolic Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to, to make it maybe overly simple. If you are triggering triggering muscle protein synthesis, your body cannot be catabolizing those muscles at the same time. Mm.
0: But what we but what you can do is that you can uh, increase your muscle while you decrease your body fat. A lot of people say that you think that you can't, but that's actually not true. And this goes into um, the next point, which is the greatest stimulator of maintaining your lean body mass is a training stimulus for your body to keep your muscles. So as Brian said, um, to clarify, as soon as you, you don't eat. So say you just, you fast throughout the day. It doesn't mean that you're, you're now losing muscle at a huge rate. This is not really the case. Um, It's not like if you're dieting for, for a month that you're suddenly going to lose, you know, kilos of your muscle and if you look in the mirror, you're like, "Oh, I've lost so much muscle mass." No, that's not the case. It's probably hydration than anything. But you are going to be using your muscles um, at some level to provide a, a substrate for for glucose. If you're doing right. fasted training, like hard fasted training, you are potentially using um, muscle proteins a little bit faster. But I don't think my big thing is I don't think um, I don't think you need to worry about muscle loss so much but what you do need to understand is that this is an, this is, is actually very important uh, in terms of two things. one, you want to increase your protein content in your diet. Now if you've been listening to our recommendations we're saying between 1.4 grams per kilo of body weight to about 1.6 grams per kilo of body weight when you're dieting, depending on how hard you diet, it is useful to start pushing that up, probably by another meal. So if you remember, we said that most optimally, you want to, be to have about three to four meals of about 20 to, to 25 grams of protein per meal, depending on, on your body size, etc. If you're dieting, it can be quite helpful to, um, uh, well, no, it doesn't, not quite helpful. It is uh, important for you to increase your protein content. So that might be increasing um, by having one more protein meal in place of um, more carbohydrate or more fat in the diet. So your your protein is now taking up a bigger share of your calorie intake. This is gonna do two things. Once it's gonna provide um, more amino acids, more of the building blocks for muscle protein synthesis to hold onto that lean tissue. Two, it's going to be more satiating for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also going to help you knock out um, snack foods because if you, for instance, have um, uh, another portion of protein uh, where you would maybe have uh, a chocolate, um, even if it's something like, say, half a chicken breast in place of of a Kit Kat or something, you'll find that that's far more satiating. You'll feel more full. Even the texture is going to help you to not want to snack be hungry and things like that. So it can, it can scale quite high up to maybe like 2.2 to 2.4 grams of protein per kilogram of body mass. But I think the easiest thing to do is what I normally set people to is about 2.2 grams per kilo um, body mass, because they will automatically go underneath that. So I try and say, if you, if you are, um, if you are dieting for weight loss, just, focus on building your meals around uh, good protein sources and just keep eating protein. And you'll find that it's much easier. There is a a thermogenic effect of eating protein as well, which can help weight loss. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, just basically you need to increase your protein than what you were currently doing. Um, And funny enough, you'll find that people who struggle with weight to, to maintain weight and they find that their weight is drifting up. It's normally to do with the fact that they're eating they're eating, uh, not, um, they're eating protein less optimally because if you actually increase your protein in your diet, you'll find that you don't eat uh, as much of the other foods. Yeah. Um, then the second thing is, um, is resistance training. <clears throat> so uh, as a climber, if you are just climbing, you are going to be stimulating your muscles to do the job of carrying your body weight um, up a wall, right? As you get more efficient at your climbing ability, you are going to require less and less. It's going to be less and less of a training stimulus for your muscles to grow. Um, Think of it like somebody that you know who's been riding their bike to work for the last 10 years. They don't have massive quads, even though their volume of riding every day is very high. Right. It's because they just become they get to a point where the body doesn't need to adapt anymore. So if, you're, if you are doing weight loss, you actually need to try and increase the stimulus for your muscles to stay where they are, in a sense. So this is not something crazy, but what you've got to think about is that you need to, uh, um, the most effective way is to basically load your body. So it would be resistance training. Now, I don't know many climbers who don't do any resistance training, but what you're looking at is quite simply, it could be things like doing, um, implementing some more weighted pull-ups. Um, it could be doing some some sort of weighted squat movement, um, basically anything that's loading your body. Because the other thing what you've got to think about is that if at the moment you are so-called 80 kilos and you drop down to to 76 kilos, you are lighter. So your training stimulus is actually less. So right. in a sense, you want to try and scale that up Um, uh, but the main thing is, is resistance training and a high protein diet are the primary ways that you will hold onto your muscle mass and maintain your performance, um, while you are, uh, in an energy deficit and to coincide with this, which is what I try and convince everybody I work with is that the, the, because you're eating less food and you're eating more protein, and you're training to keep your lean body mass, you wanna fuel that training. And that's probably gonna come from carbohydrate. So we, we then want to try and put in enough carbohydrate around your training so that you have the energy to do the training that you wanna to do to keep yourself healthy and to maintain that, that, that rate of weight loss without loss of muscle mass, if that makes sense.
1: Does. what do you think about endurance exercise for weight loss?
0: So I think in terms of the volume of, of running or rowing or whatever endurance that you're doing, if that continues to cause a stimulus for the muscles to stay where they are, then that's beneficial. Um, what I don't think is helpful is kind of chronic low cardio, like low-intensity cardio. I think from the research we see that high-intensity intervals and resistance training have the greatest impact on maintaining or even increasing lean body mass during a deficit, but kind of long, steady, um, endurance, um, may not be so beneficial. I don't know if, if you agree,
1: I do, I think how I would frame it is like one thing with resistance exercise is even if you don't have goals, there's always this implicit goal of you're lifting weights and you want to lift heavier weights. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of like built in Hmm. Um, and cardio can have that too. But I think for a lot of people who are doing cardio just explicitly to lose weight, they, it's not built in, it's not a part of their equation. You know, they, they get onto a treadmill maybe, and they run at, you know, they, they, they put their little heart rate wrist thing on, or, you know, they, they hold those electrodes, and they, they get the heart rate and they try to stay in that, quote unquote, fat burning zone. And it's not challenging enough to promote, like, unless they're complete mm. exercise novices, it's not challenging enough to promote the sort of adaptation, uh, to, to promote improvement and change. But I think that, you know, if, you, if you're a runner, if you love running and you're running and you want to be better at running, then you're not just running. You're not just getting on a treadmill and running at like a steady state the entire time. Uh, you're trying to push it, you know? And so you're improving at what you're doing. And I think that plays a larger role. Um, kind of the simplistic goal of improving. I think that plays a greater role in, you know, success for weight loss or, or success of an exercise for weight loss than just the physical fact that you're burning calories.
0: Mm. You know, that's a really good thing because because what is a very good overarching understanding of all of this is that your body will always try and maintain homeostasis, will always try and maintain balance. We know from weight loss studies where when you reduce energy, you will reduce things like fidgeting. You may not get up from your desk as much as you used to, whereas before you might you know walk to the cafe to buy something. Now you are more likely just to sit and do things. Your body notices that you're reducing energy. So it will reduce your energy out. Um, What we're trying to do is to tip the balance and that's where it goes right back to the habits is if you can have habits in place, then you can tip the balance without with having a measure of, uh, of what you're changing. So for instance, um, with your exercise program, if if you keep your training program as is, and you know you have a measure of it, and you are now changing your diet by changing something that you have a measure of, and your lifestyle is changed that you have a measure of, and you see that you're now losing that say 0.7 um, uh, percent of your body weight per week, then you're doing the right thing. If that stops. You need to have a look at those things that you've put around, what what habits have maybe changed. I've had clients where everything looked the same, but the weight loss stopped. And we had to figure out, okay, what in your life has changed here? Because everything on paper looks correct, but your weight loss has stopped. And it can't just be that you're doing everything the same, because if it was, then it wouldn't be this, you know, this sort of stuff. So um, try and have things in your life that you can see, and this goes with with what Brian said about um, with with the training. The training is there to to stimulate a, a change in your body. What I would say though is that you should use exercise, so formal exercise like cardio and things like that, as the last means of reducing your energy expenditure um, for weight loss. So. What I'm saying by that is that you should not start by using exercise as the way that you reduce calories that should start with your diet. Um, And later on the energy expenditure from exercise can be a kind of little polisher. So what I mean by that is I'll give you an example. So I have a a poll performance um, coming up at the end of April and at the moment, my lifestyle is is more stressful because I just have a lot to do. So I have my diet clued up of where I want to go to be ready for April. But I know that the edges are smudgy because of late night podcasting, et cetera, et cetera. So what I do is I have put in a, I've put Sorry, in. Sorry,
1: I'm holding you back, Tom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is about the environment, right? I need to choose the right friends. Um, is that... Uh, quite quite simply, what I have done is that I have a gym about five minutes walk away from the office. So every lunchtime, I go and do fifteen minutes of rowing. One because it it's healthy and I enjoy it. But what is that? Is it becomes a habit for me to do that gives me a little bit of polish on my calorie expenditure while being an excellent cardio um, and fitness regime. But for me, it's just it's an easy win for me. I know at lunchtime, I go, I put a podcast on. I go do my 15 minutes of rowing and I always try and increase the amount of, of miles that I'm doing. And it's very, um, sorry, meters that I'm doing. So it's always, there's always a stimulus for change there. But I have a little building block that I put in place. And so I've got one thing that's in place, right? So what I'm saying is that as you, as you go about trying to set up your, your weight loss diet, try and have building blocks in place that don't change so that you know these bits are there So you can understand what is working and what is not working. Um, But -hmm. what I don't want you to do is say, oh, uh, I need to get ready for um, uh, my climbing trip coming up. I'm going to now hit the gym and do loads of cardio. That's actually not going to benefit you. Um, That may increase, uh, it it may increase hunger. It's not entirely um, clear on that, but it appears um, what, what we do know is that people tend to reward themselves um, totally out of relative to the, the exercise so they might be like oh i did you know half an hour on the rowing machines today so to be honest i can have my two glasses of wine uh, and that's you shouldn't like really that's the one thing you should never do is you should never s- see exercise as a means for giving you room to to eat whatever you want it really right. doesn't work that way um uh yeah. You should separate the two and and not see them as one can fill in the other because um, it, it it there's multiple reasons why that doesn't work. The easiest thing to think is that on your rowing machine or your running machine, it might say that you burned 300 calories, but that's just an estimated calculation. Um, you can't then go and 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 think that you have 300 calories left uh, to you know to use up. Um, okay. Yeah
1: if you're using exercise like as a specific means of burning calories um you should be counting calories as well at that point just so you're aware of where they fit in Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's really easy to just eat like a candy bar in the in the disguise of a protein bar um and just obliterate that deficit that you think that you created but if you're tracking things, then you can make mm. a more realistic determination about it because you might be hungry afterwards I mean Tom's right it's very unclear about whether some people get hungry or some exercise also uh you know blocks the hunger feeling that's anymore. right yeah it's 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 not really we can't make a, a clear call about it but um what we can say is like if you are hungry at least you can make a realistic you know you can increase calories in one of your meals following it, for example, but you should be the one in control, not your hunger.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. so I've got a little bit on, um, does metabolic damage exist? And, uh, we we'll maybe cover this a bit more in the next podcast if we do that one, but, uh, in general, we do see, like I said, that the body does adapt over time to a energy deficit. So if you are doing an energy deficit for long enough, your body will change and reduce your energy expenditure. And it's, it's not very much. It could be maybe a hundred, 120, 150 calories per day. Um, But uh, it's not that you're, it's not that you're damaging your metabolism. It's just that your body's trying to find balance again. Right. So what can be useful for this is, so when I, when I work with clients, I use a cyclic diet diet. So I actually do 11 days of dieting and then three days off. And I repeat that for as many cycles as we need for the goal. And that does two things. <clears throat> One It gives people a focus for that 11 days. These are not magic numbers. This is just one study that used these numbers, and I quite like the study, so this is why I do it this way. Um, And basically it also means that there is two weeks and one weekend where the person's dieting, and then the following weekend they're not dieting, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it does two things. One, it gives people a focus for that weight loss. So you're going to focus for this weight loss period of 11 days. You're going to try your best, keep everything tidy, et cetera, et cetera, because you know <clears throat> in 11 days time you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you can now eat uh, and relax. And now this eating relaxing thing is basically I'm actually asked my clients to eat above their energy balance. So it might be something like um, 30% above the diet that we are doing which is about 15 percent above their weight maintenance in general i just say to them if they are specifically if we're looking at specific calorie counting then i will do an actual calculation for them and say you need to eat this much and most people say oh my god that seems a lot of food but this is awesome and they go and do it for other people i just say just eat like go out and have pizza have whatever whatever right um, and, the, and the reason behind this is, is twofold. One, this may stimulate the metabolism to return to previous, to prep uh, before you were dieting. It might just upregulate some hormones, uh, um, thyroid, and things like that. It's not entirely clear if three days actually is enough to do that. But the biggest thing I find is that it drives motivation. It gives them something that people can plan ahead. So if they, if they have some friends, they want to go and have a, you know, a big splash up meal and drinks, they can actually plan that ahead and they can say to me, Oh, on this weekend, I'm going to be doing this. So I'm like, okay, great. So let's factor this in. So I find it actually more, the compliance is what is, what the biggest thing for them is. Um, uh, What's exciting about it though, is that you will find what I find with clients is that. Inevitably, (laughs) which is amazing the first two days of eating more their weight will continue to go down so they're eating 30 percent more than what they were doing at the diet but their weight continues to go down and on around about the third day and the fourth day so the third day is still eating above maintenance their weight will jump up and then the fourth day where they're back dieting the weight will continue to go up and then you'll start seeing the weight go down again and generally at a rate that's as it was previously. So their their next weight loss is going to be, the next weight is going to be lower than what it was previously, which is why I do this, this kind of wave pattern. Now there is um, lots of research on this different waves, how athletes can, and at different times have different wave patterns, different lengths of time. Some people call this, Method doing a kind of cheat day every week. I don't think that's such a good idea. One, because it uses the word cheat, which is not a good healthy thing to do, as we said. But the other thing is, is that from experience, there are very few people who can diet hard enough during the week to even warrant a cheat day. Um, so what happens is they think, oh, you know, I've dieted really well, so I can have this cheat day. But what happens is, if you, have, if you actually have a look at it, um, they probably only really dieted for about three days and then they suddenly ruin the diet by having this cheat day. So if you want to have a day or a couple of days where you're kind of eating ad libitum, then I would increase the period of where you are dieting. So choose something that is something that you can really focus on, whether it is two weeks, whether it is even a month, you can diet hard for let's say four weeks and then take, a week off and then do it but this actually has been shown in research to improve adherence and actually weight loss over time by having this kind of wave flexible approach and it's exactly why i do it with with clients with 11 three-day cycle um but it again it may require me to push that um to uh longer if i can't see that the compliance is good enough during the week um if that makes sense to people
1: Yeah. Makes sense to me.
0: Cool. Um, We have a little one on here, a little point. I said fat loss supplements. Brian, do fat loss supplements work?
1: Well, I think it depends on how you're looking at it. Clinically, you know, over time, some of them, okay, let's divide them into two groups. We can say for sure some of them absolutely do not work, right? Just unequivocally, some supplements do nothing for your weight um, that are advertised as weight loss supplements. Yes, yeah. But does that even matter compared to the other group? Because there's a second group that we could say, do do something, um, but what, what I've seen is when supplements do do things, and uh, I, I'm, I'm writing an article right now uh, talking about different uh, sources of caffeine. Oh yeah. And, uh, it'll, it'll probably be out before this podcast is released. Um, so maybe look it up, but, but for example, like green tea has catechins in it and green tea catechins are promoted for their weight loss ability. And, uh, it, it's a synergistic effect with caffeine, but it is so small it exists. But what, what they saw, what, what, what we see is like one cup of tea in a day uh, or per per cup of tea, you're increasing your total fat oxidation rate by like five to ten calories. Mm-hmm. It's so small. So how many how many cups of tea do you have to, to have? And it, it's just it's such a small amount that these things don't play a large role. It was the same thing with like green coffee bean extract when that mm-hmm. was a thing. Um, you know, it did have an effect apparently, but it was so small as to be clinically irrelevant, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, same as capsic- capsicum, you know, so yeah. chili pepper.
1: So um, I don't know. I, I, my, my, what I would say is, weight loss supplements don't work because yeah. even the ones that do work don't do enough to warrant buying or using them.
0: Yeah, number number one thing is that if you are even tempted to spend your money on a so-called fat burner uh stack or fat burner, so, like please don't. You're just throwing your money away. Yeah, like it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for whatever it is. You know, if you are increasing your metabolic rate by 10 calories per day, like, will that make a difference? You know, no, not really. Unless your, your weight loss requires that level of precision, then something else is probably not right. By probably going to bed half an hour earlier every day might actually increase your calorie burn better than if you were... Yeah. If you're taking that supplement and to be honest, you could spend that 30 quid a month on, on, you know, some really good food, mainly protein. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't, uh, don't
1: do it. Weight loss supplements. Don't do the,
0: it. Yeah. The only weight loss supplement that actually has shown to um, be efficacious for weight loss is illegal. And that's uh, ephedrine. Um, that's true. And the reason <laughs> it's, and the reason it's illegal. So th- there used to be a very old stack, which was ephedrine, caffeine, and, was it aspirin or something.
1: I don't know what the third one was.
0: It was something like that, and yes, it was very effective. But the reason that uh, it's illegal is because um, people were uh, getting heart attacks and stuff. Yeah. Um, caffeine is a is a if you caffeine is a weight loss supplement uh, in terms of if you are drinking caffeine, um, it stimulates. Um, uh, what are they called? Ephedri- ephedrine and um epidrine. What are those called? Uh, it starts with a C. Yeah, oh, what is
1: it? Uh, like corticosteroids. That's
0: the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that will raise your metabolism. They're, they're
1: actually different than corticosteroids. I don't mind.
0: Uh, the- it starts with a C. Anyway, I'm tired. It's like up as 10. Anyway, uh, <laughs> point being is that, yes, you get ca- caffeine, having your cup of coffee per day is probably going to actually improve your weight loss um it also what caffeine is quite a useful thing in terms of if you are reducing the size of your meals or even if you are skipping meals, which is not a bad thing. Some people get very woo-woo about it, but I don't have a problem with somebody, for instance, skipping breakfast or skipping dinner as a, a adjunct to um making it easier to um monitor how many calories you're having per week. Um uh having a cup of coffee instead of uh, a meal Is helpful in that sense um right yeah uh okay right (laughs) sorry i'm wondering now my brain has just suddenly gone like uh, a little bit sleepy uh so (laughs) all right we're near the end (laughs) what i've got here is um let's summarize in terms of uh the easy what we call i call easy diet rule summary right right uh do you want me to run through it or do you want to do you want to go back and forth or yeah, let's go back and forth. That'll be okay. Fun. So that way. Uh first one I've got here is set targets, goal length, uh and have a good idea of the reason for why you're wanting to lose weight.
1: Yeah. Second point. Food choice, flexibility of your diet, and the environment your both your social environment and your immediate food environment they matter
0: yeah make it easy for yourself Uh, i said don't mix morality and dieting get rid of the words good bad foods cheap meals all of this stuff you don't need it um you can diet it's a good thing for you to diet uh, uh in terms of it's something that you want to do um don't put morality into it at all
1: right fourth point get good sleep, get a good amount of sleep, make sure that it's a good quality sleep. These are going to influence not only your circadian rhythm and the hormones that are associated with that, which could potentially affect your, you know, your weight and your, your motivation drives. It's also just going to make you a happier person that is better able to make reasonable choices.
0: Yeah, exactly. You want to focus your, your diet on whole foods. So fresh whole foods, uh, foods uh, fruits and vegetables and things like that are going to contain fiber which is going to help um, uh, your your gut biome but it's also going to actually fill your stomach one of the cues for whether you are full is the stretch of your stomach um, so one of the other things you can do with that is by eating slowly and more mindful so not just gobbling down your food will actually allow your stomach um, and your nervous system to uh, to tell your brain that actually you've eaten um, and that you don't need any more. So fill yourself up with with um, proper foods.
1: Yeah. And related to that protein, you, there's a, you would want to improve or increase your protein. Um, typically, we might be eating 1.2 to 1.4, 1.6 grams per kilogram. Increase that to above 1.6, upwards of 2.4. Uh, that could be for some people doubling it. But at the very least, thirty grams or so per meal. Not only is this more satiating, it also helps prevent muscle loss. Hmm.
0: Um, uh, we, I'm saying that you want to reduce your your energy deficit in steps. So start with something like fifteen percent, um, and once your weight loss is stalling, then you can increase that again by five to ten percent. Um, what I don't recommend is um, going above. 40%. If you are um, reducing your energy by more than 40% and you've hit a plateau in your weight loss, then you need to stop dieting probably for about two weeks, find your 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 energy. And what I mean by stop dieting, I mean, you need to start eating more. You need to get out of a deficit for two weeks. Um, once you've done that, re-evaluate thing, re- reevaluate things again, reduce yourself, reduce the calories down by 15% and start the process again.
1: Uh, you want to, if you're going to use exercise, then there are certain types that are more beneficial resistance training, uh, potentially high intensity interval training. But regardless of what you do, have goals for your exercise, have goals for improvement, and make sure it's an exercise that you want to be doing, that you enjoy.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, The other thing I would say is just, you know, increase your daily activity and build that into your habits, uh, your daily habits. So one of the great things that you can do actually for weight loss is to have a new habit. So maybe you have your evening meal and then you go and walk around the block. You know, and you listen to a podcast. If you increase that what they call non exercise activity. This will make a big difference. this will be the thing that kind of polishes up everything by just taking the stairs more by just moving around more um, that it would actually will help all of these other things will start adding up but also in terms of actually just increasing your health um, and also helping you sleep better at night.
1: yeah, I mean one of the best ways is to just put on our protein podcast, listen to the entire thing <laughs> during a walk and do that every day. <laughs>
0: Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, coincide with that. Uh, like we said, don't w- w- uh, don't start with exercise, especially cardio, <clears throat> as the driver of um, burning calories. It's not a helpful thing to do. Um, it could also, um, what we haven't really spo- spoken about here, is that you've got to try and maintain your climbing goals along with your weight loss, right? So, mm-hmm. if your climbing goals and your climbing targets and your progression and your climbing is tanking because of your weight loss, then you set it up wrong. You need it, it. You may not make the same gains that you would if you were eating at, at weight maintenance or above, but you should be at least making an improvement on the wall, especially since you're getting lighter. But if things are dropping, if the other thing we actually even spoken about things like if you're getting moody and you're getting stressed and you're getting agitated and all this sort of stuff, be aware and check that you're not creating too much of a calorie deficit. And that goes in hand with noticing how much weight you're losing, um, and how quickly, um, so like we said, about 0.7% of your body weight, um, per week is a pretty good goal, uh, to start with.
1: Yeah. And finally, uh, your diet is going to end at some point at some point you're going to want to get off a calorie deficit move into maintenance calories don't go crazy Hmm. so this is maybe maybe a better way to phrase it is maintain the motivation so that when you finish your diet you can continue eating a maintenance calorie diet without feeling the need to overly increase your calories all of a sudden
0: yeah it could just be like you've you've adopted this habit of eating good fresh food now you know now you can just eat more of the nice fresh food have more sweet potatoes have more veg have more well you don't really need any more protein um, uh, but uh, actually that would be one that would be one thing is that you're most likely probably gonna you can reduce some of that protein down and mm-hmm. replace it with um starchy vegetables more fats, and things like that. We haven't yeah. actually really spoken about um which is because we know (laughs) we haven't spoken about what is some sort of magic macronutrient ratio to stimulate fat loss. And um, we might talk about that more in the next podcast, but the reason that Brian and I haven't even thought about bringing that up is that the research has shown time and time again, that your ratio of carbohydrate to fat makes almost no difference whatsoever in terms of weight loss. What makes the difference is the protein content of your diet and your adherence to the diet. So that's really why we haven't brought it up.
1: Right, it's just not important.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately your keto diet won't make you lose fat quicker than a carbohydrate replete diet if the protein is matched and the energy uh, um, uh, deficit is the same and the adherence is the same. The reason that these other diets work better is because if you're eating keto, then you're not eating anything really apart from fat and vegetables and protein. Right. So oh like it's,
1: it's protein and veggies, which were two of the points on this list.
0: Yeah, exactly. So your, your, your quality of diet is better just by default. Um, uh, now <clears throat> I'm going to bring this point in, but I want you, you should have listened to the previous podcast that I did at the end of the year talking about, um, body fat levels and specifically talking about how I don't talk to women specifically, or I don't give recommendations or we don't give recommendations for women specifically. Now, this is not a issue for women for women um, predominantly. I don't think that is the case because um, I know men are having this issue as well. But one thing I do want to bring bring up and um, Brian would agree is that if at any time that you are doing a diet that you start questioning your motivation for, for the diet. And this is something that's going to be very subjective. And it can be just in terms of how you feel when you're dieting, what your expectation is of how you will feel when you reach a body fat percentage or a body weight. We want you to, um, uh, how can I say this? I want you to be sensitive and I want you to involve other people in your life. It can be friends, your partner, whatever, to keep you in check Um, because many people, and I think I see this a lot in, in the climbing community is that there is a very fine edge between wanting to restrict energy for a weight loss goal to um, improve performance, and a body image um, situation, a something related to how you f- you will perceive that you will feel as a person, how other people will relate to you, etc., etc. A lot going on here, and so I just want to encourage you that that to be aware as you start making your choice and your decisions of why you're wanting to lose weight, really just examine what's going on in your head and your emotions and if you find that there are things that making you uneasy about how you feel i want you to go and speak to someone you can either speak to your gp or something or even speak to a friend and and ask them do you think i should lose weight do you think it's going to improve things if you have a climbing coach speak to them about it just so you have some support and maybe somebody will say actually you know this is fine You you know, your climbing performance is good. It looks like you could lose a little bit of uh, body fat, but there might be times where somebody might say, actually, this might not be wise for you. Um, And if you're having a a difficult relationship with with tracking food, if you can become very preoccupied with tracking things the whole time, if you're constantly thinking about food, if you're starting to drift into this kind of morality issue with things that are either failures or good and bad, then I do encourage you to, to, um, to speak to somebody, um, to try and identify and and examine yourself to see whether or not there is maybe a disordered eating pattern here. Um, there's a lot going on here. Um, and I think what I'll do with the show notes, I'll put some resources, um, uh, for this. And, uh, the other thing as well is that if you don't know where to start, um, with any of this in terms of, um, your social circle, uh, you don't, you don't feel comfortable speaking to anyone in your social circle. Um, I encourage you to either reach out to Brian or myself, and send us, even a, even if it's an anonymous email, um, send it to us and we can write you back some resources, some websites, um, to try and point you in the right direction to try and, um, get some support on that. Um, there's some great resources out there that will help help people in that situation.
1: It's a tenuous line here um, wanting to lose weight is a reasonable goal for many people, but it can definitely go overboard and you can get a distorted idea of what normal is or what normal should be, or what's healthy for you, what's healthy for your goals, for your mental state. You want to, the, the, I would say. Regardless of what your dietary goals are, the biggest goal should always be having a healthy relationship with food mm-hmm. and for some people, you know weight gain is a is a symptom of an unhealthy relationship with their diet, and by improving their relationship with food by improving their food choices, they are able to become thinner and feel better but if you're losing weight and you find that your diet, that you're, you're, you are no longer able to make healthy, have a healthy relationship with your diet, then you are no longer in a healthy state. And it doesn't matter if you're losing weight or if you're gaining weight, you know, the the biggest downside there is you no longer have this healthy state, this healthy relationship with food. So like Tom said, if you don't have other people to reach out to, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to answer your
0: emails. Definitely. Okay. Just remembered what we haven't checked for a while is whether or not people like us on iTunes. Um, let me, let me see. Uh, Do
1: people still like us?
0: That's what I'm typing into to Google. Yeah. Anyway, let's see. So, oh, we've got 13, 13 ratings on iTunes. Uh, Five stars as well, apparently. Wow. So 13 people can't be wrong. So let's see. So the three <laughs> we're, that
1: we're reaching statistical significance, I think, right?
0: <laughs> uh, so it looks like there's three here that have come up. Uh, you can't seem to see all the reviews, but there's three that have popped up here. So uh, there's a five star rating from Alfie Jameson. And he says uh, very informative and refreshingly down to earth in an industry so caught up in the latest fad or extreme diet. I've gained new knowledge every time I've listened. Um, Thank you. Uh, For me, the tangents uh, in quotes just add more quality content and a chance to understand the topics even further. Thank you for all the content you guys have put out there. Oh, thank you. Thanks, uh, Alfie. Um, Another one from Chris Whedon. That's a five-star review. Uh, And he says, amazing from beginning to end, exclamation mark. A great contrast to other podcasts. Tom and Brian know their subjects inside out. And have so much knowledge to share, making each episode fascinating and informative, essential listening for every climber. Thank you, Chris. And the last one is uh, by Sai with two uh, hyphens next to it. Um, Very interesting and detailed, uh, but a four star on this one. Uh, Five stars for content, information and knowledgeable presenters. However, the difference in sound volume between the two presenters make it very hard to listen to, which is a great shame. Ah, and it might, that might have been from the previous show. That yeah, one where- we did
1: have uh, one show in particular, I believe, with uh, some errors in sound quality. Hopefully, those have been resolved. Please, though, tell us if if there's something bugging you audio-wise that we mm-hmm. haven't caught. Please let us know because we we want. Hopefully, we can avoid the gross errors of uh, you know the the big things. But yeah, you guys but can mean, help like, us out with that by just yeah. letting us know if something suddenly goes
0: awry. Yeah. I mean, the in, insidious mumbling from one of the presenters, the inability to pronounce uh, the letter R and uh, the, the coughing from the other presenter is. I
1: uh, do you have a major problem with my airways sometimes.
0: But Hey, <laughs> you know, um, so that, that, that's it. I mean, um Yes, uh, we um, we think we've covered pretty much the main questions that people have asked. We'll talk about in the next show um, a bit more of this strategy in terms of maintaining, which is something that people asked about. However, if there is a load of questions um, that you guys have that you want us to cover specifically, those are much easier podcasts to do because you give us questions and Brian and I can schedule something and we literally can just jump in and, and talk and get it yeah, done. So those
1: are great episodes. I love answering questions.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's do that. So Brian will probably post um, the link for this uh, podcast on his climbing nutrition Facebook page. Um, so that's probably the best place to put Q and a, and it doesn't have to be on diet, uh, dieting, for this episode, it can be on other stuff as well, mm-hmm. um, related to previous stories. And then we can do a and a podcast, um, after this one, which will come much quicker. Um, then if you guys really want one, that's very specific on weight loss, like hormones and all that, then we can prepare that. But if you'd rather us to talk about something completely different, then let us know. Um, uh, yes, I think, um, I think that's it. Uh, As I said in the one before this, um, hopefully this year we're going to have some guests. I don't really know how that's going to work. I don't know if there's going to be three of us. Um, I would like to think that we could do like a three-way podcast. I think that would be quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, what would be good is in the comments box of this show, put down – Anyone you would like us to actually have a conversation with, I would love to have some sort of crossover podcasts with people who are much more knowledgeable than uh, myself and Brian um, I'd love to have a show for instance with Eric horst um, mm-hmm. or something like that you know um, yeah it would be it would be very cool so if you have any ideas of who you'd like us to uh, to to have conversations with and have a kind of round table discussion on on stuff um, then uh, yeah, let us know.
1: All right. Anything else you want to discuss before we close out this chapter on weight loss? Uh,
0: n- uh, not particularly. Um, I suppose. So, I, for interest's sake, like I said earlier on, I'm I'm doing a a, a poll performance uh, at uh, in April, so I'm actually doing a weight loss um protocol myself um so I may put some information of what I'm doing on my Instagram feed um if it's that exciting but I mean I don't know what it's going to be like just me without a shirt on the whole time or something I don't know no <laughs> no, no one wants to see uh, see that um but maybe if I could, oh I do I mean I posted something a, a quote today on on Instagram about um the weight loss rates. So, you know, have a look at mine. That's useful. Coach is, the uh, is my Instagram. Um, uh, if you want to follow my pole dancing shenanigans, that's steel shapes, um, which is, you know, there you go. Um, uh, there, I heard that a rumor like
1: steal like the metal or like you're stealing shapes from other people.
0: Maybe maybe a bit of both, but it's mainly this. It's mainly the steel pole. So, so
1: steel shapes.
0: That's right. Okay. Steel shapes. So perfect. If you want, if you want to uh, see me in a pair of very small shorts, then that's that's where you need to go. <laughs> uh, the um, I, I'm remember, sure
1: you could just stand up right now and show us them, Tom. If
0: you want. I don't. I don't wear. I pants. know you wear them to work. I don't, you wear, don't wear pants at all. No, I'm pantless. I'm totally pantless. <laughs> Um, the, the
1: beauty of only having the top half showing exactly exactly uh
0: i i heard a rumor that you um that you've been practicing some like acrobatic stuff
1: i have been i mean you know me i do body weight stuff all the time i do a lot of handstands i haven't been shy about posting those on uh my page although i try to limit it because i'm doing handstands all the time, and I try to only post them when I'm making improvements. Um, but recently, I've been wanting to move into a more dynamic world from just these static body weight poses and holds. So, i have been trying to teach myself what I think most gymnasts would consider to be a very easy skill, but for for which I've been intimidated. Uh, it's it's I don't know. I find it hard. Anyway, I'll play a video. Uh, see if I can. Screen share. and I'll play something for you. Hmm. There we go. You can let me know what you think.
0: Oh, why is it? Hold on. I've got to click you. There we are. Oh, you didn't see it? No, no. I think it was hidden. So try again. Okay. Now.
1: Pulling it up again. Put it on repeat. Huh. Here, here it comes again, in case you missed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to, those, to those who are on audio only, uh, de- describe what you're doing.
1: <laughs> well, you can, you can hear what's happening. I'm hitting something very hard. What I'm doing is I'm trying to teach myself how to do a standing backflip. I don't know why I just I I woke up one day I, I've been doing After I've been doing handstands. I just like, I feel so motivated by, by them, but then I get down I'm like, I want to do something dynamic. So I wish I could just like throw a standing backflip right there, right then and there after coming down from like a, a solid handstand I'm moving to like trying to move into one arms, for example. So I come down, it's been like a good one. I'm to come down. I wish I could just do a backflip. I don't know if I'll ever reach that stage, but I can at least teach myself to do a standing backflip and maybe when I reach, when I can do it on a mat, I'll, you know, feel like I've accomplished something. So it's coming along. I've done some, some work on it, not just at the climbing gym on the, the mats, um, but I used to be a diver in high school. So mm-hmm. I'm used to throwing my body around in the air. I went back onto the diving board at a local rec center recently and kind of warned <clears throat> myself back up to doing those things. And that's been helpful. I think, I mean, I guess I haven't tried throwing a backflip on the ground since then, but just like remembering what I'm doing, uh, remembering the feeling of throwing my knees up towards my face and I don't know, it's, it's what I've been working on. I'll, I'll keep sharing updates as I get closer to actually landing it. Uh, again, those of you listening in can't see, but I i landed it but not on my feet (laughs) i landed on my knees and my hands so it's not it could be worse i could have landed on my head i I did do that once but yeah i'll I'll keep updating people and hopefully sometime soon i'll land it on my feet and then after that who knows standing double backflip
0: that's it with a pike
1: with yeah Zach, exactly Your um, backflip
0: your camera is off i think you just i've just got a black screen screen for you yep. so.
1: let me uh stop sharing my screen
0: but uh That's what's going yeah on. good 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 stuff um so for my back for, for, yes you are uh, for for anyone for anyone who is still listening to this podcast at <laughs> this point uh you have won yourself a um uh well limited stocks of a t-shirt whenever we get around to printing them so so for those who have turned yeah. off and not listened to us rambling uh yeah we'll say for you um but, but actually we will at brian brian at some point we need to try and organize that that t-shirt we should
1: yeah, I mean, I think we're going to need outsource it to a company that actually <laughs> – I've got the screen printing stuff, and I, I screen print them sometimes. And I, I have sent some out to some of my Patreon listeners oh, good. who I promised I would send them out to. It just, it's so much work for me, and I thought I would enjoy it more, and I thought I would have more time for it. I do want to offer T-shirts to people because I think that we've got a cool logo and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people would be happy to, like, have these tanks or T-shirts and climb in them. Um, And certainly it's beneficial for us. It spreads the word. But, uh, yeah. It'll solve some other problems, too, because, you know, for me, I can ship T-shirts very cheap to anyone in the U.S. It costs about, like, $3.50 or something to ship a T-shirt. It's not a big deal. Uh, but then I also shipped one to somebody in Europe and that cost like $15, which was no problem. Like I, that that was fine, you know, but, uh, I can't do that for everyone. Um, or I won't be able to, I just won't be able to afford it. Um, and I, I would hate for people to have to pay, you know, so much money for a t-shirt or a tank, uh, when, if we can just get these things organized, you know, we're set up. I've got a home base here in the U S you got a home base over mm-hmm. in Europe. And I don't know what shipping costs are like from England to the rest of Europe, but I imagine it's less than 14, $15.
0: Yeah. I think what we do is if we, if we can get, well, here's the thing. If you are a listener and you happen to be a T T-shirt producer, then get in touch. And, um, you yeah, know, maybe you can help us out either in the UK yeah. or in the, uh, in the U S and then, uh, we can send a box of t-shirts, you know, whatever direction. Um, and for the next episode, you might get, well, you will get advertising. Yeah. That's true. Um, talking about that, not talking about advertising, cause we probably will never do that in a formal sense. But what I, what I have um, been trying to think about is, um, I've had a couple of people who contacted me after I mentioned if anybody would be interested in supporting the podcast. And they said yes, they would. So uh, potentially, um, with discussion from Brian, we might put up a little um, a little link somewhere for you to um, throw us some some pennies if you want to to say thank you um, and to just pay for pay for some the of the
1: finest British half pennies.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it might be time to figure that out you know, between you and I.
0: Exactly. I mean, at least I can then afford to buy a razor. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I
1: just, I want to see the beard continue to grow. I can't um, do it. I can't do it. You know, through the years.
0: Well, maybe, but look, think about it. I mean, a guy with a beard on a pole, like a 38 year old man (laughs) with, (laughs) with a beard on a pole. I mean uh, It's just,
1: fine. You just have to shave all the other hair on your body, <laughs> including on your head. So it's just just like a slick man on a pole <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> In well very you know short you know shorts. what
0: you know what there are certain there's are certain areas of London that, that would that I would do very well. And like I've said to many people, if I was earning five hundred pounds a night, uh I, I wouldn't have no problem with that. You know, you gotta yeah. work, You got to work for the money. Um, <laughs>
1: that's how it works. That's how our economy works.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there, might, there might be a niche for, for uh... anyways, this is getting off tangent. <laughs> <I, laughs> um, okay. Thank you. Thank you for everybody still listening to the show. We appreciate it. Um, we hope this has been useful for you guys. You can find Brian at ClimbingNutrition.com. Uh, do go to his Patreon page, um, which is linked on his website, and he will do. He is doing Q and As and other goodies there. Do support him. Um, uh, go to Climbing Nutrition in Facebook, and you'll find his po- page and the post uh, of this episode. You can find me at uh, if you search on Facebook for useful coach. And if you go to, um, at useful coach on Instagram, uh, my website is, um, fairly static. So there isn't anything new on there. I post mainly on social media now. Um, uh, and this is the climb side podcast and, uh, uh, that's Brian Rigby.
1: And I'm speaking with Tom Herbert. Thanks so much for listening guys.
0: Thanks so much guys. Cheers.